eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You're listening to the Upper Hand Fantasy Podcast. Now, here's your host, Faraz Sadiqi and Zach Rizzuto. Okay, Steve, I want to hear who is your running back. Okay, sticking with the, uh, the, the veteran backs. This is a guy that um, I just feel like people are always down on every year. They they get frustrated with him because of the expectations. But mine's Joe Mixon. Um, I get it. He's a little bit older. He was inefficient last year. But he's the, the, the last guy left standing right now in that running back room. They got rid of Samaj P. Ryan um, right now. Uh, I think they're going to they, – they were able to work out the contract. I think this is probably his last year in Cincy. The, the Bengals have to figure out a way to pay Burrow, Higgins, and Jamar Chase. And so I don't know that he's going to be on the roster next year. I think they're going to try to use up every last drop of him. Um, he doesn't really have competition for touches. Trayvon Williams, Chris Evans, Chase Brown, they're fine, but I don't see them taking significant touches away from him. Um, and he's a – I'm not saying he's a dynamic receiving back, but he's kind of a receiver like Leonard Fournette was with Tom Brady. He's, I think he's going to get a lot of volume. He ranked fifth in receptions last year. He had 60 receptions, 75 targets. Um, we know the Bengals are going to score a lot. They were seventh in scoring last year. That's going to leave him a lot of goal line opportunities. And we know he can put up monster games. Um, now, I have a lot of people that will argue with me that he was just one game. He, he had that 55-point point game last year, and that was pretty much it. Well, one, I would argue, you don't want a guy that can put up 55 points at the running back <laughs> position. And then two... He was still pretty consistent. Only two games the entire year last year that was he was below 10 points. Yeah, he probably didn't put up as many 30-point games or high 20-point high games as you would have liked, but he wasn't killing your roster either, and he did provide some league-winning uh, weeks. So I, I just think he's going to get a ton of volume on a good offense. Uh, maybe the efficiency won't be quite as good, but you know we saw Najee Harris a few years ago catch 96 passes had low efficiency and was a, a top running back. So I think we could see something like that from Mixon this year. I like yeah. it. I like it. My only concern with Mixon is, you know, I was really hoping that Mixon would assume the third down goal, third down role here um, pretty easily with Samaj P. Ryan out. 
Um, and it's not a huge deal. It's not as big of a deal um, as some may make it out to make it out to be because Mixon's still going to get involved in the passing game on early downs, right? He's still going to be running a lot of routes on early downs. This is a pass first team. You know, I remember coming into last year, we had that those signals of the Bengals being one of the most pass heavy teams in the league, and they happened to do that. They also happened to run a lot more, a lot of plays. So he's going to get his targets on early downs. So I'm not worried. Now, the other day, um, you know, uh, Zach Taylor was asked about uh, the running back position, and he said that Mixon is a, is a very, very good first and second down back that they'll feature in any way. And then the third down back is still a battle. And he talked about Travion Williams, right? He talked about um, Chris Evans, right? Um, I don't think Chase Brown's going to be there uh, playing that role. Uh, so it's interesting, man. Um, you know, it would kind of suck because, uh, you know, we've been wanting to see Mixon play this every down role. And especially considering the fact that he was one of the most prolific pass catching running backs in college football history. Right. And uh, and now it's like, you know, he didn't really have that role coming up. But I, I do agree with you. I think where he's going, he's a value. He's going to have a ton of RB1 weeks. He's on one of the best offenses in the league. And if Joe Burrow takes a step forward, this offense is going to go nuclear. Right. And remember, Joe Burrow hasn't hit his potential anywhere close to his potential yet. Right. He hasn't had that. For, for, I don't even think he's had a 40 touchdown season, if I'm not mistaken. No, I don't, I don't think, think he has. So. No, which is yeah, crazy so, to think about, <laughs> right? Yeah, this right. offense could 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 be even better. It's been great, but it could be better. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Now, I, because Samaje Pierre was so trusted in the receiving game and so trusted on third downs, I'm not necessarily convinced that like one of these guys is going to take that complete role. I think Joe Mixon could have a little bit added to his role, right? It's not like they're just subbing in Samaje for one of these other guys. I think Samaje was just that good at that specific niche job that. You know, uh, you know, he got all of that work and a little bit more. I think Mixon might end up, as long as he stays healthy, getting a little bit more this year. Yeah, that's the only way I see it. Like you said about Samaj P. Ryan. I know the Broncos look like they were ready to trust Samaj P. Ryan in case Javante Williams wouldn't come back, you know, 100%. And yeah, I think yeah. that would be the case if Javante wasn't defying the odds right now. But, right? Um, but Joe Mixon, the way that he he's produced, it wasn't a lot, you know, through efficiency in the passing game is through volume. I think maybe a little efficiency could come back. If he has higher quality targets, he gets some of those snaps that Samaj Piran had. I agree. Like Samaj Piran isn't it's not just a little hole. Like not a lot of people think not a lot of people realize how big a part of that backfield he was. I think we're gonna see that through, like you said, Joe Mixon getting some more touches in that way. Last point on this backfield. Um, it's funny because like coming in, I wasn't high on Chase Brown, but then I thought about it and I looked into Joe Mixon's metrics last year. Terribly inefficient. Um, so I'm like, all right, wait, is this going to be a situation where Chase Brown, young back, comes in? He knows that he can handle a big workload. He's not terrible. He wasn't terribly inefficient in college. He was. He wasn't bad, especially even even with a huge, tremendous, giant workload that he had, especially in his senior year. Um, but then preseason chris evans is playing over chase brown the entire time entire yeah. preseason so that becomes way less of a worry right i i was more worried about chase brown potentially you know working into joe mixon's workload because of the fact that he wasn't efficient but now with chris evans ahead of him i'm not worried about that at all so i'm kind of more i'm kind of higher on joe mixon than i was like you know i would say a month or two ago yeah yeah right. i think there's he's a decent back but it's it's so much of the situation, and I I don't always chase the situation. I want the talent to be there, but I still think Mixon is a talent. He's not an elite he talent, has, but he's a good talent. Yeah. yeah, exactly, exactly. All right, Zach, who's your running back, my guy? 
All right. So maybe it's just because I'm the resident Cowboys fan on the podcast, but I'm all Uh-oh. in on Tony Pollard, 100%. And this isn't something that people would just yell. They're not going to yell at me and say, well, Zach, you're a Cowboys fan. So, of course, they're going to take the Cowboys running back. No, there's a reason. And I know he's going pretty high. But I'd venture as far as to say that he's kind of been underdrafted given his upside. Like, we know what he can be. I think it's higher than Saquon Barkley and Nick Chubb's upside. You talk about ceilings. I think Tony Pollard's higher than them. And he's coming off the board at the top of the second round. You know, he's been coming off the board at the top of the second round this whole offseason. And the reason why is well-documented. I mean, you look at the way he produced. Of the top eight fantasy running backs in points per game last year, only one of them, Pollard, finished with less than 50% of the inside-to-five carries last season. He saw just 28% of those, and he still scored nine touchdowns. Only two of them were on carries inside the five. And what's the like, number one thing you talk about every time you bring up Tony Pollard and his upside? It's Zeke's gone. He was the only thing standing between Pollard and the goal line roll. So even if Pollard's number jumps up to just 50%, you know, that's going to be double than what he had last season. And we could see Pollard being delivered easy touchdowns for the first time in his career. And he doesn't even have to rely on just them. You know, it's Pollard. He hasn't, he doesn't have to be touchdown dependent. He's one of the premier home run hitters in the league. He had 5.22 yards per carry. That was second in the league last year among running backs with 150 attempts. And he, ranked first in runs of 10 and 20 yards, and he was third in runs of 30 yards. So it's like he was first in yards after contact per game too. Like these are all ridiculously efficient numbers. You know, Pollard's capable of getting it done, whether it's going around you or through you. We saw that. He passes the eye test. He's got that speed, catches a pass, and he's just gone in the blink of an eye. He's more of an asset in the receiving game too, you know, despite low usage that came with his low snap share. He was first in yards per reception last season. And that's despite the fact that he only saw 52% of snaps. He was the RB8 in points per game. So if that snap number goes anywhere close to 70%, I mean, I think he's got overall RB1 upside. It's a good Cowboys offense that he's on. That's something that Faraz boldly predicted. I remember we did a post like a week ago. Faraz said that Tony Pollard could be the overall RB1. I don't really think it's that bold. You know, it just takes a couple cards falling the right way. It's not that crazy of a take. I love Tony Pollard. I think his price, you can get him. The fact that you can get him in the second round, you know, you could go grab a stud wide receiver in the first round or take Travis Kelsey and turn around and get Tony Pollard. I love that. Like, it gives you such great flexibility. You have that high upside at running back. And I don't think the floor is all that low either. It's not like we have to worry about him, you know, putting up dud weeks. So Tony Pollard's my guy at running back 100%. One of the most frequently asked questions in in some in one way or another right like not necessarily this exact question but it's it's really around how high should i be reaching on tony pollard and right. what does that mean that means he's been undervalued this entire offseason you mm-hmm. know he there was a point in time where he was going at the two three turn i've there's a point in time where he was going early third round in 12 team leagues now people are starting to realize I think once Zeke signed elsewhere, that wasn't a concern for me personally. But now that yeah. he signed elsewhere, Pollard went up in a lot of people's ranks and they trust him a lot more. And now he's going at the one two turn. Right. And an argument can be made that he should be taken above a lot of those wide receivers that are being taken at the one two turn AJ Brown, CD Lamb, Garrett Wilson. Right. There's a real decision yeah. to be made there, in my opinion. Um, you know, whether you want to start with that stud running back or if you want to go with one of these established wide receivers, right? So I'm curious to know, Steve, like, are you considering Pollard at the one-two turn? Definitely. And I think he he should be going there. 
the fact that he's not is the only reason I have advised some people to not take him in the first round. It depends on where you're picking in the first round. So I just did, uh, unfortunately, I was, I was bummed. You guys weren't able to make the expo this year. Um, but I did that. You know how they do the draft day for Oz? Yep. The, I did that this year. And so it's, it's, I mean, it's kind of an industry draft. You've got people that are, that have fantasy accounts, they have podcasts. You're doing drafts with these guys. I had the second pick and I did not think in any way, shape or form, Tony Pollard would make it back to me at pick 23. And there he was sitting at pick 23. Well, so that was so he, a true quarterback league, right? No, no. Really? Slot single quarterback league. <laughs> Insane. Single dude. quarterback league uh, where you only start two wide receivers. So um, who'd you end up picking at two? Uh, did you pick? A, did you pick Chase or CMC? I went or, Chase. I went Chase too. So I went Chase Great. at what a start! Oh, it was That's awesome. And then, and then I got uh, I got Tony Pollard at twenty three, and then when it came back to me, I got Derrick Henry. So I really Amazing. liked the the start of my draft. So I've been advising people that have an earlier pick. Well, obviously, I don't want it. I, I don't think you should take him maybe top five. I, I don't think he can't finish there, but I. I just think that there's a chance you could get him coming back. But if you've got a later first, absolutely. And I'd probably take him ahead of some of those guys you just mentioned, the AJ Browns, you know, CD lamb, mm -hmm. some of those players, because I like his upside more. And I feel like a lot of those guys, I don't know about you. I have a hard time deciding if I want to take Stefan Diggs, right? CD lamb. That, that's Devontae. the hard part. Yeah. I, I don't know which one of those guys I want. I know I want Tony Pollard. So absolutely. If you've got a late first, take Tony Pollard and then whichever, let the other people decide for you on which wide receiver they're going to draft and then you take the Agreed. next best one. Cuz when you have AJ yeah. Brown, when you when you, when you're on the clock, right, at like pick 12 or pick mm -hmm. 13 and you have guys like AJ Brown, CD Lamb, Garrett Wilson, Amon Ra all on the board. Like Yeah. What do you do? Like, I don't know. You know. I like all those guys. <laughs> it's it's <know>. overwhelming. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. It is overwhelming. It's hard to make a decision and I kind of find myself just diversifying, you know, cuz I'm in so many leagues. So that if I know that I took AJ Brown in my last league, I'm probably gonna take Garrett this, you know, this week because I do have Garrett Wilson ranked pretty high. Yeah. Um. So it, it, yeah. it is it is interesting. Let me okay. let me Frost. Can I yeah, add problem. one more thing to Please. kind of back that up? Please. So I had found this stat earlier this offseason, but not in, not counting that Week 18 game, which I don't want to necessarily not count it. That game against Washington, Zach, you might remember it. It was kind of a weird oh, game with Dallas. Clearly, yeah. 100%. Like it was just an <laughs> odd game, you know. I. They didn't know if they were gonna be in the playoffs. I don't know. It was a, it was a weird thing. But it was everybody they might get the one seed, something like that. It was yeah, it was a weird thing. The, the the whole team played horrible against Washington. But if you don't count that game, so I am for this argument. Over his last eight games, Tony Pollard averaged twenty two points per game, and over that same span, Zeke had eight rushing touchdowns. So yeah. just to your point, like he averaged twenty two <laughs> points a game. And Zeke still scored eight touchdowns during that span. So, I mean, he could have averaged like 30 points per game or something yeah. if, without Zeke there. So I just the, wanted to add that part. The thing about Zeke is Jerry Jones was so intent on just getting him the ball because he was hammering a point home. We were right about Zeke. He's not washed, yeah. that kind of thing. Now it's just like the, you know, the writing was on the wall for Zeke. We knew after this season that he wasn't going to be on the team, especially with the way Tony Pollard was playing. But the cap hit was just going to be too high. But that's what we're talking about. You know, that inside the five, Zeke was delivered constantly to touchdowns. And that's what carried his production the entire time. That's going away. Tony Pollard's going to assume at least part of that role. That would have put him, I, I'd argue Tony Pollard, he, he had nine rushing touchdowns last year. If he has just a little bit bigger of a role, he could be going for 14 touchdowns this season on the ground. And that's just ridiculous. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. 
I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Austin Eckler did it to Melvin Gordon. Tony Pollard did it to Zeke. Who's the next guy? No, don't just is I it, hope it's not Mixon. Is, is, it, <laughs> is it is it Najee Harris? Oh, I know where you're going. <laughs> is that the situation? Do we have to be drafting Jalen Warren as the next Tony Pollard? I don't know. I just posed a no. question. Moving on just to my guy. Oh, there. I thought that was going to be your guy. I was waiting. No, no, no. Okay. It wasn't. He does uh, like Warren. But, but I, I, will do, say I that. do like Warren. <laughs> mm-hmm. I do like Warren. But my guy has to be J.K. Dobbins, right? It has to be. Like, I, I, there's yeah. no way I can go this entire offseason just talking about J.K. Dobbins in every single podcast and him not being my guy. That would be kind of weird, right? And, I, I, you know, my second guy would probably be Tony Pollard, right, Zach? So I'm, I'm all – I think I've probably in every one of my mocks or any one every one of my like ideal drafts that I put out, no matter where I was picking, I ended up with Tony Pollard on my team <laughs> because I was yeah. just either reaching or whatever. Like I don't care. But J.K. Dobbins, you know, and I'm I'm sure people are tired of hearing me talk about him, but all signs have been pointing to him being the guy in this backfield. Okay, their new OC has talked about it. He's being involved more in the receiving game. This is a going to be a, a an offense that puts more emphasis on the pass game. So why does that help? To, why does that help J.K. Dobbins? But it's like if they're going to put an emphasis on getting J.K. Dobbins the ball in, in the receiving game, that means Lamar is going to throw it to him. It doesn't mean that he's just not going to – he's just going to rush the, run the ball all the time and tuck it and run. But if J.K. Dobbins is running legit routes and he's schemed into the passing game like their OC said multiple times that he wants to do that with particularly with J.K. Dobbins then I'm buying it and people forget that Dobbins had 71 catches in three years at Ohio State so this is something new for him okay and and then you have Gus Edwards who's falling out of favor in this offense like my conversation with Jason Lockenfora last week helped bring more light to that situation and it seems like there is a considerable gap between Dobbins and the rest of this backfield. And while we're so used to a split in this backfield, we have a new OC now with a healthy J.K. Dobbins. And Lockenfora also helped me understand that he really thinks that this was the holdout. It was really all about J.K. just not wanting to get hurt in camp and preseason again. Like, that's what it was about. It wasn't so much about the money. It was about him not getting hurt again in the preseason. It happened twice to him right not just the main injury but he had other injuries that happened too in the preseason so he's back he's good to go for week one he's all the way back he's 100 percent. so i see an ascending offense i see a better offense i see dobbins with 250 carries this year 50 catches i see him with the primary goal line role i think he's going to be this year's josh jacobs i'm calling it now i like that comparison a lot you know, and we've talked so much about J.K. Dobbins, but he just we? mentioned that. Yeah. Well, maybe not that much. Maybe we just got to rehash it one more time. Can you go through <laughs> that one more time? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> just need to hear it again. You know what I'm saying? But no, like J.K. Dobbins, you look at it, you're right. I don't think that there's really going to be any real competition like there's been 
over the past couple of years because J.K. Dobbins has been injured. The workload that he's stepping into, like you said, if they diversify, they give him even just like a small you know, receiving role. It doesn't have to be a whole lot. It's going to be a huge season for him. And the way that he's being drafted isn't even close to the upside that he has. In fact, like I'd say that there's no really there's really no way you can go wrong. If you've taken him, obviously drafts are wrapping up right about now, but if you haven't drafted yet, like heavily consider J.K. Dobbins at his price. Like it's such an easy pick where he's coming off the board and like the fifth round, sixth round, like if he's still there, like just go get him. That's a guy that you the, can flip. The price is so good. And yeah. he's just like, it, it, and the talent level is there. He is an explosive running back, right? We saw it multiple times. Even last year, coming off a brutal injury, he's like literally like on a peg leg. Like <laughs> running through the offensive line and you know creating big plays, like he had one of the highest breakaway rates last year coming off that injury, and you saw him limping while he was running. No, okay, he was guys. running with was, that's called running with swag. <laughs> <laughs> that's what it was. Oh, I'm sorry, it was actually yeah, yeah. Right. it wasn't even just him. Mm-hmm. I, I agree, man. Like you know, it's one of those things where I'm, I look at his price, I look at his ability, I look at this new offense. And I, I ju- it's just really, really hard for me to pass up on the upside. A lot of people tell me, like, he stays he's, – he's always hurt. Guys, it was one injury. Yeah, like, yeah. it was one injury that took two years to recover. That's, yeah. that's literally what it was, right? He sat out all of 2020, 2020, and then 2021 came around, and he wasn't right for that because it was a multi-ligament injury. And he came back, and he needed another scope, and, but it was all related to that one injury. So it's not yeah. like he just keeps getting banged up. He he's back. He went through an offseason where all he had to worry about was getting right for football, not necessarily and getting right, getting optimized, right? Not necessarily doing rehab, right? That was right. last season, last offseason. Now he's getting right for football and you know, optimizing for what he could do this year. And we we all know he wants to get paid. So he has yeah. incentive. I'm I, done I, with the injury argument. Because like I'd much rather say I took a swing on a player and he got injured than I'm then avoid him because he's injury prone and then have him pop off. Like that's just the dumbest right. argument ever. We saw that happen with Christian McCaffrey. Like just don't buy into that. He's doing what he needs to do. Jake I think the only exception uh, to that rule is Kadarius Tony. Oh God, yeah. You <laughs> we do point, have yeah. to. <laughs> we should have another podcast talking about those guys. But <laughs> it's, it's it's interesting. You said this year's Josh Jacobs. I guess I hadn't I hadn't thought about that, but that one kind of makes sense. You know, if he can just, we know he's a good rusher, and you had mentioned some of his his receiving work in college. If he, I, I do think he is a good receiver as well. It's just the system hasn't really uh, favored him as far as a receiving back goes. So. You know what I was thinking? His floor, if you think his ceiling's Josh Jacobs, I think his floor is Miles Sanders. And that's not terrible, you know? No, if not he, at all. If, if he, and and he, would, he would outproduce his ADP if he was Miles Sanders. Yeah, and I mean, and I'm saying last year's Miles Sanders, you know, a, a running back right. who didn't score a lot of touchdowns but was efficient. J.K. Dobbins, career average, 5.9 yards per carry. And like you said, with his either his limp or his swag run, 5.7 yards per carry last year. You know, and he's going in a spot. He's the his ADP is 60th. So he's going in a spot where it's like, do you take Kyle Pitts? Do you take Cam Akers, Alexander Madison, Rashad White, Dalvin Cook? There's a lot of guys that just have just as much questions. I would argue he's got the highest upside out of all those guys. Like I would much rather draft him than an Alexander Madison, who I don't think Madison is a is, is a that talented of a back. I think he's propped up by situation. I think J.K. JK Dobbins is a very good running back. Um, And if this offense does what we hope it will, and I think we think it will, um, I think he could have a special season. 
Yeah, I love he's it. a ceiling. Love it. We, he's we, a ceiling player among floor players where he's going to draft, and I think I, yeah, one hundred percent makes sense. Now, Damian Pierce is closing the gap for me a little bit because he's going a little bit earlier than Jobbins, but around the same range. So it is it is an interesting choice between those two guys. Who who would you grab between those two guys, Zach? Between Pierce and Dobbins. Pierce and Jacob Dobbins. I'm still going with Dobbins because I think the ceiling is just as good as Pierce would have if Jacob Dobbins Steve? was all together. Even better. Well, in a vacuum, um, I like I, – I might go – I might go Dobbins a little more. I do think the upside's probably higher. Um, That's really what it comes down to. I think the volume will be higher for Pierce. But for me, he's definitely the better value. He's going a full round after Damian Pierce right now. So there you go. I would much rather have him. 2400 Sports is an Odyssey company. 